0: Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Just here saving your Friday drive to work or coming home from work or having you kick off the weekend in your garage, turning wrenches on your favorite Volkswagen, and listening to some good VW talk. On today's podcast, we've got a returning podcast guest, Russell Ritchie. You may remember he puts on the Gasser Garage at the European Bug-In event. And I figured since European Bug-In Hessech is happening as we're speaking, Hessech is happening this weekend. Next weekend will be European Bug-In. I figured what better opportunity than to get Russell Ritchie on here and talk about what's going to be going down at EBI this next weekend coming up. So pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Some of the history behind the MP cars that he's put together that will be on display as well as a lot of the Gasser cars. That will be on display out there at the European Bug-In. So It's definitely going to be a good listen. Russell's always got great stuff to talk about. And I've got plenty more podcasts. I may sneak out another one this weekend just because I've got so many. And I'm excited to get them out to you guys. So Uh, don't forget, you know, this podcast, we love when you share it with a friend. So right now, I'm asking you guys to go to the podcast. Go down to the bottom. Copy and paste it from wherever you're getting it from. And send it to all your VW buddies. Have them kick off the weekend listening to some good VW talk. Matter of fact, pick your favorite episode and send them your favorite episode. And you know what? I'd like to hear your favorite episode as well. So feel free to DM me on Instagram or Facebook or even send me an email at bill at com. Let me know what your favorite podcast has been that you've listened to and why it was your favorite. So that, I love to get that kind of feedback from you guys because I have trouble picking a favorite because I really enjoy All the podcasts that we do because the passion that I have for getting to know the people in the hobby as well as tracking down the history. Now, also, we'd like for you guys to go give us a five star review on whatever platform you listen to us on. It's mostly Apple Podcasts, but you can also review us on Spotify as well. So give us a five star review. Leave your name in the write up. Give us a write up and review, and we'll announce your name on the podcast. You get a shout out. You get to be famous. Your 15 minutes of fame. I got. 30 seconds of it right here. So make sure you guys do that. And if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and pick up some merch. Like always, people that pick up some merch, they get shout outs on the podcast because we appreciate those that support us. And by the way, we got a supporter this week. Shout out goes to Quinlan Jesus. He's out of Arlington, Washington, picked up a shirt and some stickers. And he says, thanks for doing the podcast. Really makes the commute from work better listening to it. And that's Quinn rolling in a 73 Super Beetle out of Arlington, Washington. You guys see him, big ups to him for supporting the podcast. And make sure you share it with a friend. Share the podcast, guys. Let's grow this mother even bigger than it's getting. Because I love when people listen and share the podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by Ross Wolf one of our sponsors of the podcast. Make sure, if you enjoy the podcast, check out Ross Wolf's website. It's R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F dot com. One of the cool things they have is the Viton drain plate seals. no more paper gaskets, no more silicone, a reusable seal for your drain plate and your Volkswagen. They got super cool stuff like a lock, locking dipsticks, uh, aftermarket pulleys that are completely different than what's available on the market. They've got a ton of rad stuff, some jewelry for your Volkswagen, but everything that they've gone that they've built and designed has been specifically designed, to not only make your Volkswagen look better, but perform better. One of their biggest sellers is the Ross Wolf Billet Shift Coupler, which is pretty rad. No more urethane funky shift couplers in the back. Another cool thing they have is their crank pulley bolt that also has been uh, broached for a three 3/8 socket so you can rotate your motor over, and it's custom made with rolled threads not cut threads so it's a high quality piece of equipment that will only enhance your volkswagen so support the the sponsors that support your favorite vw podcast go check out their website rosswolf.com they've got a ton of rad stuff for you guys to check out we're also sponsored by vw trends magazine a magazine for the people by the people and bringing you that stuff that's not your average everyday orange county volkswagen it's a broad spectrum of cool cars in the vw scene there's even water cool stuff in the magazine. So support the magazine that reflects the scene. Go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and subscribe today. Free with the subscription is my pretty face on the inside of that magazine. Yeah, that's right. No charge for that, baby. But support the people that support your favorite podcast. Without any further ado, guys... Let's get into it. Let's talk to Russell Ritchie of VW Gasser Garage about the rad event that they have coming up. That unfortunately I won't be at European Bugging. That's going to be kicking off next weekend on this week's episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Russell Ritchie coming at you.
1: Here's a Volkswagen that's big enough the new VW Fastback Sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air cooled. Since we made a VW that's a little roomier in the inside, Volkswagen dealer. He'll show you where the
0: motor is. Okay, everybody. So we're back. And today I've got an exclusive for you guys. This summer, there's been all this buzz and, and talk about Hessech and EBI that's going on this year. And one of the things, you know, Hessech is the premier show that you go to in Europe for anything vintage and stock and original. If you want to see the oldest of the old and the rarest of the rare, it's going to be at Hessech. Now for us custom guys and the cow look guys and anybody that has to do anything where it's lowered and makes the the purists upset, well, we've got a different show for you guys, and that's happening a week later. That's going to be happening the following weekend. It's going to be uh, July. What is it? July. second the- of July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I've got a special guest on the podcast today, and he's a former podcast alumni. So we got I want to welcome Russell Ritchie to the podcast. Hey, Russell, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey Bill, thanks for having me back.
0: So one of the things that that we talked about with Russell before is he does gas or garage and the, and I remember first time I went to EBI, he had a nice tent set up and if you guys have never been to European Bugging, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a show of a lifetime to go to for us custom guys. I mean, it, it takes place in, in Chimay in Belgium. And if I'm not mistaken, Russell, Chimay is like, that whole town is all about racing and automotive stuff.
1: Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Well, it's about that and the brewery. They've got a brewery for beer. Right. And they've got a race track. It drives through the town. So you're basically one of these old-fashioned uh, uh, European-type road tracks. And
0: what they've done for European bug in is they actually set up a quarter mile drag strip with a Christmas tree and the whole nine over there. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty surprised when I saw it because it's really just a closed down street and they turn it into a drag strip, which, which I, in my opinion, couldn't be more raw and, and pure of like street drag racing, you know, where really all this begins. Um, now gas or garage is something that you've, You've had Gasser Garage, you've put that together for a long time, and it's really where you showcase all the cl- the cars in your collection that are historical Gasser cars or significant race cars. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what Gasser Garage is bringing out this year and what's gonna make this year a little bit special for the European bug-in with what Gasser Garage is doing?
1: Well, uh, so Gasser Garage has been a, a big supporter of uh, EBI since the inception of it, uh, way back in 2007. And it gives us a platform to race these old, uh, all the rules. So this year we've, uh, this year we've decided to do uh, honour uh, Darrell Vatone uh, from the race shop and MP Joe, Joe uh, son, who passed away last year because of cancer. We've decided to honour him by bringing a, a, a pre- presentation of the race shop. So we're going to perform the race shop gear will be there. The race shop Dave Andrews Blue 67 will be there. We're shipping across the uh, the Darrell's own 67 white car that Dean Kirsten's just restored and previously had at the the show earlier in the year. And we have the race shop bus, and we've just got the race shop trailer uh, back together and painted yellow. And the final icing on the cake is we've got the old race shop Fiat, which is currently called motion sickness we've now got that rolling and that will be there and that will be its first outing since the last time steve Tim raced the car uh, and the view is that in the future that will go back to uh, the race shop color scheme so we're going to have a full race shop dedicated theme for the gasser garage this year uh, in honor of darrell and all the things he did and you know the race shop was a very small period in the life of a uh, darrell and, and uh, mp it only existed for three years and but a lot was accomplished in that time and and, and,
0: uh, and for some of those people that aren't the mega history buffs in the vw racing history the race shop was something that was kind of daryl's thing on his own just to, just to develop parts and that type of stuff that was still kind of a part of impy or what what's when yeah did they... it,
1: it, it was a division of of economy so basically, this was the performance tuning arm that he went and did. Uh, I think that happened just about the time that the, uh, the you know MP was sort of getting sold on and all the rest of it. And I think that he had this uh, opportunity. Uh, Dean Kirsten's the one for the exact history on how that all came about. But basically, Daryl went and did his own thing for uh, three years with this. And, uh, and 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 you know, the blue car and the white car were both B-modified compact cars. You know. The Fiat was basically banned from doing anything because it was so so quick and so out there. And then obviously the race shop gear that was uh, John Preston driven. That was a very successful car, a uh, 73, 74, 75. Again, an N- NHR record holder. All of these cars won events and won things, you know.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the that was one of the really significant things I think about Impy back in that day is every time Impy would start to push towards a particular class or whatever, they would start setting records because they were really on the forefront being so close to the manufacturing end of things. As soon as, you know, with the first NPRs and all that stuff coming out, you know, the pistons and all that coming out that Impy was having made, as well as Revmaster was having it made. You know, the the, the funny part, if you remember the podcast I did with uh Joe Horvath, you know, there's, there's, yes. a, there's a lot of that history coming out where, you know, in this day and age, Impy's really the forefront of performance and racing and, and all of things, all things drag racing coming out at that time. So these cars, you know, like you said, every one of them, when they entered into a particular segment, they would start taking records, which is, seems to be pretty impressive because this is like the hotbed of the VW racing scene at this time.
1: You had such a small bunch of people, you know. You had the, uh, you had Dino Dinosaurs and the Slay Brothers were there. You had obviously MP Vidal, and then you had the, uh, uh, oh, the name's gone now. Uh, just that little collective group were all racing all the time together. They were learning from each other. You know, you'd start being related, and all those guys were growing up together, and and they were all pushing each other and and they were making the number one of this the number one of that you know close ratio rockers and all that. all these guys were developing this and you know mp were obviously the biggest uh, the biggest one at the time and 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 they had the most sponsorship and the most cars so really it was quite a uh, quite an exciting time for for vw drag racing
0: yeah and i think you know with the lineup of cars that you have there because you've got i mean really you have all, most of the cars from the whole race shop days at this point right i mean you've got the double cab which was the tow vehicle right yeah that's what towed things in and out of the pits you had the feet the fiat really was the first one i think The was the fiat the first car that really kicked off like really getting crazy or i think the fiat he put after inch pincher they got the fiat started putting stuff in there and then that thing because it was so small was just kicking butt like nobody's business yeah, yeah that's
1: correct the, the fiat followed on from inch pincher and then when he took the Fiat off the road to modify it, he then raced the the white 67 that Dino's got. Right. And then the time of that, he was supporting like a John Preston with the gear, and he was supporting uh, Dave Andrews with, the, with the, the blue 67. So if that things were happening alongside... He then had a slalom car that was uh, that sits out of Mr. Kimori's collection in Japan. And then there was a 1302 or 3 um, Beetle that was a, a drag-type car. I can't remember it much... Uh, but there was that as well. And, and then after that, uh, obviously a lot of these things were all the same Fumio heads, exactly. You know, they had the same recipe and, and that whole, you know, so how the people who knew what they were doing behind them.
0: Well, and interestingly enough, one of the questions I have, when you get the Fiat, right, the Fiat's got a storied racing history. Cause it starts out as an impy or starts out as a race shop Fiat. Yeah. And then it becomes the Tim's racing car which is yeah. a change of that. So which, and both are history, both have set records. And, and it's funny because maybe there was parts in, in the scene when people kind of got out of the scene and then they got, and then other people got in the scene and they don't connect the, the Fiat with the race shop. They just see it as the bullet. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the Steve Tim's car or the, the Tim's car. So how do you decide where to take that car as the guy who's, who's the, uh, the holder of that vehicle now like how do you decide where you what at what point of history do you want to preserve on that car
1: uh, to be honest that's why it hasn't been a a restored as of yet we I, I would like to take it back to the race shop to when it first came out after it had the roof chopped when the roof was cut off but i we've got another fear that we bought that we intend to do the hardtop version as well so we have a replica of the hardtop and we have the original chop top However, you're right, motion sickness had its own history with Steve and that, and it's kind of uh, almost uh, almost difficult to change it, but I think it it should go back. However, what we've decided to do is, is take it out, because the beginnings are what it is. The car has been modified over the years as it became an out-and-out race car. Uh, the fact it survived when you see how it's built is unbelievable, but it's there's only lightweight there, there's nothing else. And... Uh, I think we'll see what happens. It'll be good to see all these cars together, probably for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is going to be really, really a special moment to see all that there. Just wish Daryl could have been there to see it, to be honest. That would have been uh, amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I, oddly enough, I have a picture of myself, myself, Daryl, the Schlaes, and uh, and Joe Horvath when I was hanging out with Chris Cox at the trailer in 14, 2014, when I was there, yeah. not really realizing because at the time, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, at the time, I wasn't a huge, you know, impy history buff and all that stuff, but knowing that these guys were significant in that by the way that they're being treated in Europe. And I thought, well, here I am just hanging out this trailer with all these dudes, which are like pioneers back in the VW drag racing scene. And now a couple of them aren't, aren't with us anymore. But I mean, it's, it was just, it's so neat to see that that history being preserved and and perpetuated because you know paying attention where the hobby came from is pretty critical you know and paying homage to these guys that 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 forged the way ahead for us to be able to enjoy you know 200 horsepower street cars today you know yeah i
1: think i think one of the things about that event that was the darrell's first time to come over and He'd been out of VW, well, he'd been out of air-cooled VWs. He was concentrating on the water-cooled stuff up in Oregon. And Dean and that had been, uh, they, Ron had gotten to come across, came across with them and the slaves, and we got him back into Inchpinscher, one replica that I had. So yeah. that was the first time he drag raced in years. He didn't want to do it, was nervous about it, but once he got in there, honestly, that first set of lights, he just went. But well, we ended up, after that event, we sent the car across to him. He raced it in the States and then he changed the car and you did the 36 horsepower horsepower 100 mile an hour club uh, record up at uh, uh, the desert. And he sent me through all the pictures of that with a hat signed and all that. So he took that car to another stage for me and for himself and got himself back into driving. He then since followed on with the gear. And what we've done is we've taken the car back and we've turned it back into a circuit racer. And our intention is to race that at Goodwood under the Dan Gurney livery, which was when it first started for MP. Oh, so really? the car has now got a lightweight Porsche wheels. It's now set up with a, a tracks a cage in it. So again, this is a car that was a replica that became a, a real race car by Darrell, And now is going back to be a replica of a car that Don Gurney run, and that gives it almost like a a CV of history that the real car didn't have, you know, so that's one of the big things that, you know, just keeping this going, I mean, we we believe at Gasser Garage that uh, if we can bring an old car back to the track, we create history for people, because to see it race live is wonderful, to see it in a magazine was great, but to see it live, but these cars have now, because they've come back and re-raced, you know, EBI this week, or two weekends time, We'll have many Gasser's there from other collectors in in Europe, and it'll just be a a mecca for that whole Gasser thing, you know. And and we just we just can't wait. We get excited about it, and it's great, you know.
0: Well, there's there's and I think one of the the, the big things was seeing how you know when you when when Darrell comes out there for the first time, and then he sees what a big deal it is. To the people like well, almost that it's appreciated more in europe than it is in the states
1: to to be honest uh, bill i think the biggest thing has been uh, firstly the ebi organizers and shimmy for allowing the event putting the event together and having it for the the european public that go that are so passionate whether it's carl luke or drag racing or whatever but ultimately ebi has been blessed over the years with a a huge contingency of Americans coming across you know Ron Fleming definitely really important and he'll be a, a big miss this year that he's not there bless him hopefully he recovers completely from his uh, recent illness uh, the Slaves have been remarkable in coming across and promoting it as well as all the other guys the DKP guys that have come across you know yourself the, the, the list is endless some of these pioneers we're talking about you know Roger Crawford was across two to three years ago and he was driving the Bad Company replica, And, you know, it was like he took a, a, a an elderly gentleman, put him into a really old car that he used to drive. <laughs> he was 19 again. And it was fantastic. And as you say, because she made that road track, it almost doesn't have the same uh, pressures that a drag strip has. It's just roll up to the lights and go. Yeah. And it's, 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 uh, it really is a, an amazing, amazing event. And... Uh, you know, I'm thankful that the that the organizers help us with a bit of sponsorship now because it's quite a costly thing to produce all these cars and have them there with the transport and all the rest of it. But it's absolutely worth it as an attraction, as a historic thing for people to see, and hopefully to get more people into it. You know, I think that's ultimately important.
0: Well, that's that's always been my, my big thing with the hobby is like, what are we doing and what are people doing to really get to get people excited about the hobby. like That's why I've always been a shiny car guy because I believe these shiny cars catch these kids' attention and they see it or they, they something's shiny and it's got a real raspy motor and it just grabs their attention. And then for the rest of their life, they're chasing that image in their head of that first Volkswagen that they saw go down the street if they're in their neighborhood or whatever it was. But I think you guys put it and I try to explain to people it's a different event. And, and I, I really would suggest to anybody that has the opportunity to go to go because it's, it's for sure a bucket list item, just as if you're overseas to come to the events in the States, it's the same thing, but they're so different. One of the things that I really, um, that really impacted me when I went to EBI the first time was that it's like a three, it's almost like a three day festival. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, They've got, there's like music till late at night in like the, the camping kind of area over there where these guys are like, people are up partying all night. I mean, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole deal. And the way that you guys do it, they, you know, when I was there, they had a, like a tent, like a VIP tent for some people and stuff like that. And that's like first class the whole way. I mean, it was really, really impressive for me to see the way that you guys put on the event that, that there's so much to see there. Um, and it's it's really big. I mean, I was I was impressed with how large it was. The footprint of the whole thing seemed to be quite substantial. And then to see all the your your typical street cars from Europe up there, you know, like all those guys that are there. So it was really
1: yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you've got your you've got your drag racing on one end. You've got your off road. You've got your your car show. You've got your camping. You've got your music. You've got your burnout box. You know, and you've got that whole mix of everything going on and because it's Europe, you know, it does last for two or three days, so you're not getting up at five o'clock and going home early at two, you know. You've got to keep going. You know, we're we're there by eight in the morning, and we're still there, and if we get the weather, we were racing till eight at night, it was fantastic, you know, and, you know, if you look at these uh, these gasers, we're doing 20 to 25 uh, runs over the three days, which is phenomenal uh, to keep these things going and that, and and we are, again, lucky by, by some of the some of the guys that have come across and just jumped in and helped, you know, a big shout out goes to, you know, uh, to Larry McKenzie and uh, Ray Schubert who since early on were coming to these EBI's and Larry was always, the, you know, he was the, the hire a driver and Ray's just a, a superb mechanic who would jump in and help. If something breaks, let's get it going. And I think that spirit has uh, rubbed off in the Gas Garage theme and, you know, we go there to race the cars and if they break, we'll fix them and we keep going yeah and we keep going until it's dead because you know what you're only here once let's go for it
0: that's it that's it you know uh, now are the cars that you have there which was the hardest one to get of the uh, of the race shop cars which was the most difficult one to track down
1: well it, 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 the bus actually so the the race shop gear was the first one i got and that was quite easy that had been found by chris morley down in california he had the uh, bought the car, given it a quick paint with McPeak again, back to how it looked. It was taken to the Dairy Queen at the DKP meet, and then came up for sale, and I bought that quite quickly at the time. That was my first Gasser ever that I bought. The second, first proper one. The first one was a V8 Beetle, which was a mistake, but never mind. Uh, That was my first one. Then the, uh, the, uh, the blue one was a replica I built. The Fiat I got that in a package deal when I bought the Lee Leighton car, uh, the Steve Timms Red 65 car, Save-A-Bug car, and the Fiat were all bought together. And then the race shop bus, actually, that was the, that was up in Northern California. I was speaking with Ray Schubert and Mark Merrill uh, from Kelly Park fame and his marks collection, uh-huh. and Mark had mentioned that he thought he'd seen uh, a white bus, at the back of uh, well, some parts guy up there and after one of the classics we decided to fly up there to go and see mark's collection and mark took us around to see and i can't remember the name of the parts guy now and we went around took us around the back and we're looking at this white truck white pickup and yeah it looks like it and yeah it's, but it's just a white pickup and out came a sandpaper, and we started rubbing down the panels and under the white paint was the multi-colored livery Really? And it was like, oh, wow. Well, the air conditioning and all that was still there, you know. The wheels had gone, but you could see. So the the van was bought. Uh, Mark actually paid for it there and then for us. We took it away. We got the uh, van back to UK. It was stripped. It was put down to the paint box. Now, this is going back maybe 10 years ago. Uh, it was stripped, repaired what needed, painted, and then uh, it was rebuilt. And then we took it to EBI. uh we just took a TBI, actually, but it sat in the background a little bit because I think there was so much other things going on. Tar babe, lightning bug, all these other cars were coming out of the, the woodwork and being raced. And the bus didn't really get the the notification that it, it probably deserved. And then, one thing and another, it went to Voxworld and it sort of took a back seat and hasn't really been used much, but the, the opportunities came with the more that... Uh, with Daryl getting involved again, and the more involvement and the more hype around, you know, how important him and the race shop really were at that period in the 70s, there was a, there was an opportunity there to uh, to bring it back. And I remember I was speaking when, when Daryl was over, and I said to him, oh, it would be great to get that picture with the van and the trailer. He says, oh, I've got the trailer. It's round the back of, a, a of Technics up in Oregon lying in the weeds. He's got the trailer, yeah. I'll send it to you, and true to his word, he sent it to LA, I put it in a transporter, we took a container, we took it back, and it's just this uh, very crudely welded bit of metal with two wheels on it from the 70s, and like basic. Honest, we've stripped it, basic, oh, honestly, basic, <laughs> a full suspension, it's solid axle for the wheels, and they, uh, and It's so low. I mean, we understand how it worked now. It was so low, you can actually drive a car onto the back lip without actually putting ramps down. So really quickly, you can roll a car onto it, move it, and keep going. And they towed that all over America to various uh, drag racing events when they raced the the Fiat. So it's quite incredible, really.
0: Wow. I mean, now, you said the Dave Andrews car is a replica. It's a replica of the original car?
1: Yeah, that's correct
0: and now dave andrew's car now that was now educate me a little bit on dave andrews and his significance with the race shop was he sponsored by the race shop or did he work there or what was what was
1: his story with this car so i don't know if he actually worked there i think dave was a customer and he knew them all and he was a racer and he had been racing this car and he got a, a i'm assuming it was sponsored the way it did. because all race shop parts for heads etc and that was where that came about, like John Preston, you know, I think depending on how successful they are, depending on the sponsorship or color scheme, I think that you got. But uh, I don't actually know enough about that, if I'm being honest, Bill. Yeah, yeah. And so the
0: other question I had, because as you were talking about the the double cabin and talking to uh, Daryl, when Daryl came out there in 2014, we said that was his first time there. and yeah it's funny because Daryl never went anywhere. He just evolved into moving up to Oregon and started uh turbo turbo techniques was the name of the company. Yes. And he started working on 16 valve and golf and GTI stuff and kind of, he evolved with Volkswagen, right? He was a contemporary in the VW modification stuff. Who brings him, how do you get him to come to Europe? Because he's really not into that. And that was kind of like to him, it's like, yeah, that's yesterday stuff. And, it's really, you know, in the States you're not really seeing that to it. So how do you get him to come over? Because he's really a mild-mannered guy, just real quiet, you know, real kind of subdued, <laughs> subdued yeah, kind of so guy.
1: I, to be honest, that's a combination of, I think, Ron Fleming and the Slays and Dean Kirsten. These guys have been across the EBI, seen uh, the enthusiasm and the love for it and said, you need to come and see this, you know, you're an important part of this, so it would be good to come and see. I mean, if you look at Mark and Paul slay you know, those guys were oh, amazingly just re-energized. And for all that they've got out of uh, EBI, they've given ten times back, you know. They've now got a museum down in, in, in orange, and they invite people to see it, and the history they've collected. And they always say that, you know, EBI and the Gas Guys were a big part of, you know, re Connecting or relighting that fire for them, and they have been. I mean, I think all the you guys from your side, of the pond, have all done an exceptional job of talking uh, up EBI, making it out. And it is—it's so different to what you're used to that you can see why why it's enjoyable. You know, it's not—it's definitely not a weekend to be missed if you can. It's definitely a bucket list item. But I think that people like Darrell came were a bit maybe. Overwhelmed initially because people are wanting autographs and it's a historic thing you know they want to go back to the good old days and you know it was a bit like when we unveiled the uh, the the Jim Holmes car uh, the Carl car back uh, two years ago there and you know Jim came across with his wife and the attention that people gave him was unbelievable because we all know that history from books and magazines and to see these uh, uh I don't want to use the word star, but they you know, very influential people in the scene that you respect or look up to come to an event in Europe and God, that's Jim Holmes driving. Us. You know, it, it, there's a, there's a feeling of a connection there, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's, I don't want to say it, it becomes larger than life, but it becomes a situation where this person's immortalized on a, on a magazine cover right and you're like oh yep. it's that guy and and as we're as everybody's building in their head their dream you're like yeah one day I'll stand on the curb like that and there'll be a picture of me with my car and it becomes kind of this this goal or you know just something that motivates you in your own way to go do what you do and then to be able to make that connection and have those people there it kind of closes the loop right like like mission accomplished we've got all this stuff there and all these people back because you know, for Daryl, that had to be a real eye-opener to come out there and see what a big deal it was on something that he would have never given second thought to. I know that when, you know, with, with Future Shock, when Tori and I talked about it on the podcast and I was getting it going and we were reaching out and com- and communicating with Steve Connect, who built that car, Steve had gone on and he's built hot rod after hot rod and he's built dozens and dozens of cars since then. And he said to Tori on the phone. He said, you know, it's funny. He says, two weeks ago, I had no thought about future shock. It was just a, a car I built when I was in my 20s and it was no big deal. He says, but hearing you guys talk about that car and what it's, how it made you feel or think or whatever. He says, it's really weird. I have a different, I feel different about the car now because of what the car did for other people. You know, and, and sometimes with us as, as owners of cars and builders of cars, our, our car to us is it starts as a transportation that we personalize to be ourselves. And then we may think of it as an inanimate object. But once it becomes immortalized in a magazine, in the, in the medium in which we are motivated by back in the day, then it becomes something that sticks sticks in our head as part of the build recipe of things that we're going to use. And so... Uh, I was really excited to talk to Steve after he had you know after he had told Tory how much he was motivated and energized by seeing so many people excited to see something that he built that 2 weeks prior to knowing anything was going on he would have never had a second thought about it never thought any any significance of these things cuz it was just something that they were doing and I think maybe the best part of history and part of us being guys that were contemporaries in the hobby, but we always keep it. We always keep an eye back to the history where it came from. It's good that we can enjoy it before the people are gone. You know what Bill, I mean,
1: Bill? You know what my memories, you believe it or not, are going to be the same for a lot of these people. At any event, I've been whether it's been in the states or whether it's been in Europe. If you drag race against a. a a vintage car and a vintage racer, right? and I'm being polite when I say this, and you get to the, the top of the track and you park but before you get back down. I've done it with Paul, with Bernard Newbury even, you know, as you mentioned him earlier before the, the call, uh, with, you know, Ron Fleming, with Daryl, with all these people. Uh, I remember Chris Cox sitting at the top of the track with the Animal Cracker that he was driving for the Germans. After you've done the race, the excitement and joy and these people were all exactly the same after that quarter of a mile. It's funny that you, you, you get in lines, and you start, and you go, and you race. But see, at the end of the track, especially at me you pull over and you stop, and they collect 20 cars. Everybody gets out the cars, and they speak, and other drivers walk across, and you've got somebody like Ron or or, or the Slay, or Slays or, or, or Darrell or Keith Sumi. even. You know, these guys that have raced and raced, and they're there. And we all come into the same little world where we've just raced and we've just finished. And those moments have been priceless in the conversations and the chats that have been had. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's almost like the best pace at EBI is at the end of the track. Right. (laughs) It's so nuts. But it's, it's so important part of that weekend that you know that when you go up, I mean, you know, hugging roger crawford at the end of a race with him you know you forgot i've just raced roger crawford on one and you get (laughs) to the end of the track and 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 you get there and you sit and you speak with him and you know it's like you're just a couple of racers together a couple of lads together having this chat and and just oh that was a good pass and the weather's beautiful and and, you know we've been uh, again i I can't talk highly enough you know uh, of it it's just uh it's just such a, a great thing and i think for me one of the things this year and it's funny you mentioned the cars I'm, were taken i forgot to say Pepto's come back from la this year so it's going to go to european bugging for the first time now that is like you're going on about future shop. that is a car for me i don't know what it is but it has absolutely ticked every box you know it's a four or five magazine features it's been on covers it's reinvigorated so many people you know, Bill had it for a while, which was great, and it's coming back. And i like to use the word home, but it's coming back home. It's going to go into Europe. It's going to do EBI. We like to try and get another couple of shows in it. But I'm even now thinking, do you know what? I think it needs to go back to the States. <laughs> I think it needs to go to Las Vegas for that party. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, listen, I got a spot for it if you get it down here. But, you know, and the cool thing about the gassers are awesome for the, for the, for the racing and, and racing is like a whole nother world from street cruising because racing is like, you're just focused on that quarter mile getting down and, yeah. and, and, and the challenges and, and bumps and bruises in between. But the street cars, I think I look at Pepto and I think, you know, the cool thing about Pepto is not only is it frozen in time of like of a recreation of a car that once was, but it's also, it was also built to be driven like yeah. as a driven car where you can actually, because it's so drivable, it's tempting to where you're just like, yeah, I'll just hop in that and take that to the store. Or, you know what I mean? Because these cars are, it's it, as you start to drive it, it becomes part of now your story and you get to have experiences with it. But it's almost like, you know, with these street driven cars, you know, with the chopped up that, I, I mean, it was driving Future Shock and Future Shock is like, I mean that car is built to cruise. It's got an automatic in it. He put an odd auto- like there if you're going to cruise the strip on a Friday night, there's nothing smarter than an automatic, right? But you got to remember yeah. in the 80s it was all about how much high tech can I put in this 1964 notchback? Power windows, automatic transmission, telescoping steering wheel. It was like that was the pursuit of the things that were of the 80s, but I think it's so cool because You know, getting in those cars. I I I, my wife doesn't drive a stick and I had an opportunity to have her drive Future Shock when we went down to the DKP meet. And I tell you, she couldn't realize why I had such a stupid grin on my face watching her drive that car. (laughs) And I said, How cool is that? Like you're I finally got you behind the wheel of a Volkswagen and not just a Volkswagen, but a legendary Volkswagen from the eighties. Like and she's like, Yeah, I can drive it because it's automatic. You know what I mean? But it was just so cool for me to see her be able to drive it. And then she was like, she kind of had a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a different perspective after she got out of the car, like, Oh, it was pretty cool. You know, everybody was staring at me and it was fun to drive it. And it was like, and I was just, she was starting to understand kind of why we do what we do a little bit. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I, I just, I just, for a hobby, that's always been about your own individuality. The hobby has been around long enough where, you can take pride in owning a car that you didn't build because yeah. of because of the history of that car and that for me was i never thought twice about buying someone else's car because of the individuality of the hobby and the street cred and all the stuff that you've got to have of putting your own stamp on it but enough time has gone by and i think i think a lot of us in in the hobby are getting to the age where we want to capture some of the stuff. So for me to drive those cars, future shock, I mean, in 87, I would have been, I would have been 15 years old. I wouldn't have yeah. been old enough to drive when that car was completely done. So it's like now the fact that I get to drive that car or, you know, the chop top and stuff like that and, and be able to, to, to drive those cars, it's fun to drive
1: them. And it's almost more fun
0: to tell the story of why that car is cool
1: you know what? It's, it's funny, it's exactly the same feeling when you're in one of the old gassers and you're sitting at the lights waiting to go, you start to think, who's doing this before you, you know? Like an underdog, you know Ron's been in it, and Tarbabe and, you know, Ron and that, and, and you, you start to think, you know, lightning bug, and, and you start to think of all these people, and you think, wow, I wonder what it was like back then, because it's exactly the same as you're feeling now, you've got that, uh Apprehension, almost. You've got that excitement, and then you know, all of a sudden, it's green, and you go. You know, so one (laughs) of the things I ask you, how many traffic lights is there on the strip? Because everyone's a race.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, it's. I'm excited. I'm super bummed out that I can't go. I wish I didn't have issues with my passport, um because the only issue that I have is it expired while I was uh, while I was on my vacation in Mexico, and I haven't i haven't had a chance to get it renewed yet and here it's like a six to eight week process and uh it, i'm kind of i have i've had a lot going on the past couple of weeks so i just haven't had the time to get it sorted but uh i really i really wish i could be there but i'm gonna have to wait for two more years i guess and and, uh, and i'll come up there well that'll
1: be EBI 10 yeah
0: ebi 10 so
1: and that's gonna have to be a special one i think it was a hit double numbers not yeah. quite sure what we do for that but uh I'm sure there'll be a few conversations held this weekend about that. Yeah. Uh, next week.
0: Listen, I'd love, I'd love to bring a car out. I'd love to bring a car out for that and not only go out to the event, but drive around Europe in my old classic Volkswagen for a while. I think that would be just a, just a fun experience to do. You know, it's just, it's one thing to go, you know, it's like showing up, showing up at a car show without your cars kind of, it's kind of, you pull, it's like you're pulling your wallet out, showing people pictures of your babies, you know, like, Oh, well, this is what I got at home, but it's different yeah. to have your, it's different to have your car there. And I think, uh, you know it uh hopefully by ebi10 shipping's a little cheaper uh and we'll be able to maybe uh bring a couple cars out there cuz i just think it'd be a great time just to just to bring it out because when you think about it right it's a few thousand bucks but what are the memories worth
1: you know what? Well, i've got pictures of us down at the beach with Pep doing this all standing around at four of us guys there you know with the sun and the, just the pink car and it's just driving it you know i, I did a thing with Keith Sum years ago with drove he took his bluey across i had the uh, took the arnie moment car back across the kp1 car for the reunion and just driving on the streets over there it was like you felt you came home you know and i suppose it's like taking it to wolfsburg you get a similar feeling when you go there you know it's like it's just where this started you know it's yeah. say. You know, you can have the heritage of the car, the manufacturer, and you can have the heritage of the scene in California. You know, you can do both. You know, and it's uh it's definitely a bucket list thing. I would say to do. You know, no. I, it that. does uh, really, really appeal and excite me that you know I've been able to afford that luxury to do that a couple of times now, and, and uh, you know, I just think more people should do it. It's 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 an experience that just can't be. Uh, Once they can't be bought, you know, you've got to be into it. But, you know, I think that uh, there's so much fun and there's so much, uh, you know, respect. I mean, there's been a lot of decent shows this year in the States and I haven't managed to make many of them because I was out in January. And, you know, I think things are starting to get easier with travel. You know, now there's no test needed to go to America, which makes it easier now. You don't forget the day before. So as the COVID thing starts to hopefully disappear from being a pain, uh, travel will loosen up again, maybe the flight prices will come down and, and we can do it, but, you know, plan ahead, you know, we're planning shows into next year, there's a Lavan Vintage show, you know, you're going to have Bad Camber coming up in two years' time, the week before the next EBI probably, you know, there's, you know, Vox World again next year, there's quite a lot of things happening and, and we're just really starting to pick up and I think these events will be valued more, now that we've all had the uh, uh, we're freedom curtailed for a couple of years, yeah, and I, I think we'll start to see, uh, hopefully, start to see some more enjoyment, some more new cars coming out, and and more wild rides. You know, I mean, it's all it's all great. Yeah. Right now, you know, we up early tomorrow, we'll fly to Amsterdam, and then we we'll travel down to Bob at BBT's for his open house on Wednesday. Then we'll take part in the uh, the cruise down to hessage and uh, we've got a forty-three swim wagon there that we're going to go swimming with that's what we're planning this weekend so we're all pent up for that then back home for three days and then back to to bobs again to pick up the the cars and the trailers and stuff and head down to Chimay for just the uh, four days of just uh, uh overdosing
0: <laughs> yeah no, it's it, listen. It is. It's one of those weeks that you have to have a two-year break in between because you kind of get your Volkswagen filled by the, the two weeks. <laughs> Big time. We used to when we would finish that classic weekend. I'm like, I can't even look at my Volkswagen for two weeks. I just got. I'm just taking a break because every night you're up to the last minute and you're up first thing in the morning and it's like you're afraid you're gonna miss out on something if you're not there at every single event going on. But it's so worth it and it's so. It, it it's such such an exciting time to look forward to. So I'm excited uh, to see pictures and stuff of what you guys have going out there with the uh, gasser garage. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the fact of what you guys are doing. I know that you guys are one of the big things is you're bringing out the white 67 is being brought out there to be part of the gasser garage. And that car is in transport right now. And, and we're, we're working out logistics because the, the shipping container has been kind of
1: delayed a little bit, right? Yeah, well, the actual the ship's been delayed. So uh, that car went on the on the on the sh- the Roto Ferry first. Uh, Dean got pictures when it was dropped off, but it's been delayed twice now on crossing, and it's now meant to june to Bremerhaven on the 27th, and it was meant to be in the Southampton on the 18th. Oh, so we're now uh, almost ten days out. The show's obviously on the on the 1st. So we are now trying to arrange getting the car off the boat in Germany rather than the UK and taking it. And that's like a, a seven-hour drive from Bremerhaven through to Chimay to go and get the car to take it back. So we're hoping that we can uh, we get permission from the shipping line to, to export the car in a different country uh, and then do that temporary import there. So, yeah, it will be a... a you know what? It'll happen. <laughs> It'll be a huge, huge disappointment if it doesn't happen, but we have thrown everything at this to get it to happen. Uh, the shipping company, Able Cargo, uh, or lax or .com, whatever the name is in, in, the, in the LA have been brilliant, Doug down there and his team, and Kingstown Shipping are supporting them in the UK, so we've got everybody at it. We all know how important it is for us to have that car there, uh, I think poor Dean's looking at the marine traffic on the boat every day to see if it's moving <laughs> <a day> closer. <laughs> but, you know, we just we just have to wait, you know. And I think that uh, I'm convinced it'll come good in the end. I mean, the the white uh, Jim Holmes car, it arrived back from the the Grand National Rod Show, and it got in on the Friday morning. By 12 o'clock on Friday, it was in the Vauxhall World Display Hall. So oh, that wow. was how tight that was. So tight we do. We
0: yeah. can manage
1: it. We just need to know that we've got access and we will move it so uh, we're on it. So here's hoping that, that uh we can reunite all these cars together. Uh, or reunite, I don't know, the right word. Bring all these cars together for the first time to offer I think something uh, unique and hopefully entertaining for for the for the for the participants and the crowds and the fans and everything that's Volkswagen and just go wow, look at that because wow. uh, and I think they, I, I think
0: one of the things that sometimes we miss out on is we kind of get lost. Our accessibility to our photographs is too easy. And we get a little too lost in the moment and don't really realize where we're at. And I think a big thing that people should really do if they're going to be out there for this event is have somebody take your camera and get your picture with those cars. Because for those yeah. cars all to be at one place and for you to be there at that one place at that one time when all those cars are together... That's kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? And who knows when it would happen again. And I just think it's, especially if you're going to take the time, you're going to go all the way to Europe. Anybody from the States that's headed up there, you guys make sure you get your pictures taken with those cars. Get your picture taken by the Christmas tree. Get your picture taken on the truck. I mean, there's just so much there that is so unique to to Shimei over there that's, that once you go, you'll never forget being there. And, and I'm excited to go back, and I wish – I wish I had my passport and, and was able to get back. And uh, I keep telling the wife, I keep mentioning to the wife that somehow I'm gonna sneak back over there, and uh, she keeps looking at me like you don't have enough time to make all that happen. So you never know; I might end up being a stowaway, or or something might go, <laughs> something might go down. But man, Russell. Well, well,
1: don't, don't in a rural ferry; it takes forever. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, and on Dean's car, Dean's car is a roll-on, roll-off, right?
1: Yeah, it is. that was the quickest way to get it there.
0: Yeah. And so, with that, with that being a roll on, roll off, um, that that's something where, as as long as you can situate with the shipper to let you take it off the vehicle like to take it off the shipper i mean that in and of itself becomes a whole nightmare's worth of paperwork
1: i would i would imagine i think we're very lucky that the that we know where the car is on the ship we know it's first on first left hand side and because we physically have have evidence of that so the location's easy the bill of lading was done obviously to southampton so we need to get that changed which is not impossible the big thing is just getting permission from the shipping line to allow us to offload it in a different port. The whole customs import bit still the same, albeit a different country. It's just getting them to move it, uh, because they'll be scheduled to take this, that, and the next thing and do it, you know, and hope that they can uh, without any hassle. So I mean, that's what we're we're living and hope for, you know. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, uh, there's nothing that anybody can do about it other than hope that they they see like they know how important it is to a lot of us, you know. It's maybe kind of handy that it's going back to Germany and it's a Volkswagen and that might yeah. you know, there's a bit of that hope as well. Uh, but to be fair we just have to we just have to keep our fingers crossed and, you know, hopefully the the ship will pick up time. You know, it's meant to be a twenty two day cross and I think we must be getting on to day forty or something stupid wow. at the moment, you know. Uh, so that's a. Do you know what? I'll worry about it next week when, when we, when we know that we have failed. Right up until then, there's always a hope, and I'd rather look at it positively and say, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And you know, I think we've got enough things on our side. I mean, we know the car will be in Europe. We know the ferry will be docked or the boat will be docked. So really, it's not a huge issue. We're getting it off. Yeah. So it should happen.
0: Well, I've I just mapped it on my on my Google Maps to Bremerhaven from Chimay uh, and that's a uh, six hours six hours ten minutes if you if you don't hit traffic. <laughs> yeah.
1: That, but you know what? That, that's
0: was that the original
1: uh, port you were headed for, or what? Or was it? It headed? was going to go to Southampton, but we had to go from Aberdeen to Southampton and then to Schumay. So go and do that in your map.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it was so it was going to be dropped off in the in the UK and then brought over. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think, the, well, that was just easier because of, uh, obviously, I know the customer's paperwork and the processes here, so it was really quick to get done. It means we could have the car UK registered and have it into into uh, Europe in and out, no problem. It was easier for us. Yeah. Uh, because I think the plan was maybe to take it back to Europe or back to the UK for maybe an event or two if we get a chance. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, We'll get this one out of the way first, hopefully, see what Dean feels like and what he's comfortable with, you know. But, you know, the car's got a home here if it needs it to keep it until the next event or something. So, I mean, we're just uh, excited to bring them all together, you know. so. Listen,
0: I'm, I'm glad for the effort that you put into doing this hobby that sometimes goes thankless for the time and effort and energy you spend into doing this because you've got a day job and all kind of stuff like everybody else, but your your passion is so strong for the history and for these cars and the significance that they've played in the hobby as to where it's at today that I, I got to give you your credit for that because uh, not a lot of people would do what you do, <laughs> you know? Uh, um. <laughs> so... I tell you, I'm, I'm excited to see the pictures. Make sure you send me some, uh, if you send me anything on uh, on on uh, when you get that car, send me a video of that car coming off the uh, boat there <laughs> so I can.
1: We'll try. No, we'll try. So, no, I uh, keep up the good work with uh, Let's Talk Dubs. Uh, as I said, you know, I, I wasn't really familiar with it up until earlier this year, and now I'm sort of hooked, and I think it's a, a great reference library. A lot of the, the conversations and meetings you've had are brilliant with people. Uh, I think there's so much more people could tell a, a, a real story. I think it's fantastic. And, and, you know, I said in the first time we spoke about how important the magazines were. You know, I think this is equally as important. I'm not normally, Internet's here today, gone tomorrow. But the fact you can download these things and replay them and, and listen to them is great. And I think, you know, that's the other thing. The magazines play a massive important part of EBI because they... Catalog the history of the events and the cars over there as well, yeah. which allows to still look back and see it. You know, uh, it's something that I feel really strongly about. You know, so all the magazines will cover EBI, which is great, and I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of shots for us all to look at and go, oh, "Was that there? Oh, I missed that." And but you're right, people need to come and see these cars and get your photograph taken, not when we're racing, but after that, and and please come and see them and enjoy them. You, know, they're there to be, they're there to be showing. You know.
0: No question, no question. Well, Russell, man, I appreciate you coming on again, and we'll do it. We'll do it again. I'm sure. we Listen, we've got many more things to talk about, and uh, I promise you, I'm headed. I'm headed to the UK. I'm gonna come out to your house. We're gonna walk the collection. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna geek out on a bunch of history for a, for quite a while. So there's there's lots to talk about, and I'm looking forward to one day uh, getting over there from over here, man.
1: Ah, profit, Bill. Listen, thanks for your time.
0: No, thank you. If you like that podcast, and I know you did, go give us a five-star review on your podcast app in which you listen to us. Support the podcast by going to letstalkdubs.com, clicking on some merch, and don't forget one crazy weekend, October 7th. Get in and get down. Be in. Don't be out. Be in. Letstalkdubs.com. Go check it out. Until next week, guys. Later.
1: Here's a Volkswagen that's big enough. The new VW Fastback Sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air-cooled. Since we made a VW, that's a little roomier in the inside. And in the back, where most cars have their trunks, we have a... Come into your Volkswagen dealer, he'll show you where the motor is.